Thank you so much again for sharing. Appreciate that beautiful music. Well, we're continuing our series called Brave, where we're challenging everybody to really live the authentic Christian life and live it with courage. We certainly need courage, don't we, as we get through this life, especially if we're going to stand for God, if we're going to live out our faith we need bravery. We need boldness. We need people who are willing to be faithful and to be authentic. And today we're going to look at how to be a stronger person. Now, I think we all admire strong people in life. Strong people are people who seem to have it all together. And they don't crumble in a crisis. They remain cool as a cucumber. They know how to stand strong. They know how to remain under control. And everybody, I think, in some way aspires to be a strong person. But I gotta tell you, I believe it's possible to be a strong person physically, but to be weak emotionally and weak spiritually. And a great example of this is this guy out of the Old Testament we know as Samson. And I'm sure you've heard about Samson. He's an example before us today of maybe what not to do. Samson, as you know, reportedly was the strongest man who ever lived. And physically, he was incredibly strong a sturdy individual, but spiritually and emotionally, he was a weakling. Physically powerful, but spiritually feeble. Physically, he, you might say he was the Rambo of the Old Testament, but spiritually, he was Pee Wee Herman, right in the big top. You know, Peter Drucker, in his book, The Effective Executive, he said, um, Every time you meet a person who has great strengths, you also discover that they have great flaws. And I think it's Samson who illustrates this point perfectly. We all know people in our lives in this world. We know people in the world of the celebrity world. We know athletes out there. We know presidents out there. We know many people out there who had tremendous strengths in the business world and other places, but they also had great flaws in their character, a weakness that ultimately led to their downfall. And in spite of the fact that they were strong, in spite of the fact that they had charisma, in spite of the fact that they knew how to conduct themselves and they had great leadership ability, they let one little weakness destroy their life. Somebody says it's wise to learn from experience, but it's even wiser to learn from the experience of others. And then you don't have to make so many mistakes. I mean, the fact is you don't have time to make all these mistakes over repeatedly again and again. You don't have time to learn everything by experience. And so isn't it wonderful we could turn to some of these examples that we find, especially in the Bible, that can teach us and help us so that we can remain strong with the Lord, so that we can continue to live out a faithful Christian life. And we see the uh, experiences that other people have had and it helps us as we look at the lessons that we can gain and apply them to our lives. So today we're going to look briefly at the life of Samson. You find his story in the Old Testament unfolding in about four chapters, Judges 13 to 16. We find out he was the last of the judges over Israel, and it reigned about 20 years. And he had the potential to be a tremendous superstar for God. But he squandered it. He spent his last days, and this is one of our last memories of this guy that lived on the planet, grinding grain in an enemy prison. But from birth, he was set aside as a special child. 
We know when he comes on the scene in Judges 13 and verse 24, it says he grew and the Lord blessed him. He had the blessing of God upon his life. He had everything, it appeared. Everything was going for him. He had looks. He had brawn. He had strength. He had a loving family. He had godly parents. He had God's blessing on his life. He was probably voted the most likely to succeed at high school, right? He had tremendous ability and potential, but he blew it, and he wasted it all, and he lost everything. He was a broken man, and he could not control his desires. And it's really a sad commentary because he was his own worst enemy. And what happened to this guy? What went awry? What took place in his life? And what can we learn so that we can avoid the same thing for our own walk of faith and our own journey? That we might remain courageous, that we might stay strong and brave in the Lord. Now, we know that Samson, his name meant Sonny, and he was raised in a godly home. And in fact, the Bible indicates to us that he was dedicated to God at a, as a baby. As a young man, he took the Nazarite vow, which is a vow of complete dedication to God, complete devotion to the Lord. And when he became a teenager, he rebelled. We know people like that. Maybe you yourself at one point in life decided to go astray. But he went his own way, and he decided to have life his own way. Uh, in fact, at the end of the book of Judges there in chapter 21, uh, you know, back in that time, people were doing things, whatever was right in their own eye. And it seems kind of strange that we're in that kind of environment today where people are just doing what they think and feel is right in their own eye. Here's a guy that went astray. He didn't know what was happening in his life, but one day he woke up and he had lost it all. He had lost all of his power, all of his strength, all of his vitality. It was all gone. And in this guy's life, we find three things that we need to avoid. If we really stop and we look at this guy's life, we see at least these three things that can be lessons for us to help us avoid, to help us gain experience so that we can remain strong and uh, keep our, uh, our courage, keep our walk of faith secure with the Lord. Three characteristics that we find here in his life that will absolutely weaken your life. And three things in his lifestyle we discovered that zapped his strength. So I think we need to look at them and understand them so it can help us to continue to be strong and faithful to the Lord. The first thing that I find as we look at this guy's life is self-indulgence weakens your life. Here's a guy that had his own uh, pet uh, passion, if you will, and it was allowed to run wild in his life. I'm talking about a lack of self-control. I'm talking about undisciplined living. Anything that is left uncontrolled in your life will weaken you. And it could be any number of things. It could be the way you spend money. It can be food. It could be alcohol. It can be sex. It can be emotions. It can be your anger. It can be the way you manage your time. Anything that's left unchecked and allowed to go wild in your life will lead to your downfall. Self-indulgence. Everybody has a pet indulgence, don't they? I mean, things that we like to give into, maybe chocolate. Uh, any kind of passion out there can be one of those things that uh, is a self-indulgent behavior. And it's no secret for Samson, he had a weakness for women. There's no doubt about that. He was the playboy of the Bible. And he was impulsive. He was rash. 
he was hasty. And in chapter uh, three chapters here in, in these books here in Judges, we discover here that he had this pathetic cycle. He had three different women in three different chapters, and the cycle repeated itself, and he never learned his lesson. He'd just fall into one trap after another. And you know, our typical excuse for self-indulgence is no matter what it is, it's the attitude just this one time. No one's going to find out. It's not going to hurt anything, but just this one time, I'll do it. And our favorite rationalization is it's just such a small thing. It's not going to hurt anybody, and it's not going to cause any harm. How do I handle little things in my life? Well, Samson just ignored it. Samson just looked the other way, and he allowed his passion to take control, and it was just a question of time. You know, we find in the Bible Paul writing about this in another location, and it's almost been part of our culture. I hear it creep up from time to time, but he said this, don't be misled. Remember, you cannot ignore God and get away with it. And then he said, you always reap what you sow. Now, fall is coming on, and I know a lot of you that uh, know it's time to plant some grass, you know, in your bare spots and things like that. And suppose somebody came over this afternoon and said, Pastor, I got a 100-pound bag of Kentucky bluegrass I want to gift you. And I'd be like, that's great. I've got some places I could use that. And then they'd say, well, there's only one thing. I tried to get all the crabgrass seed out of there. Well, you would know instantly you don't want anything to do with that because crabgrass in due time would totally overwhelm your new Kentucky bluegrass. And in like manner today, self-indulgence weakens your life. Self-indulgence will bring you down. Uncontrolled passion and desires and inclinations that are just allowed to run wild and whatever we feel like and whatever we think we ought to do, unchecked, can lead to your downfall. What's the lesson here that we can learn and take away out of Samson's life? It's this. Strong people discipline their desire. They don't just let it all hang out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, he said, I will not let anything master me. Or as the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 25, anyone who lacks self-control is like a city whose walls are broken down. The Bible says that a person who has no control in their life is an living an undisciplined life and is defenseless. It's like a city back in that day without having walls. It's like a home without doors or a roof over your head. The lesson is strong people discipline their desires in the Lord. A second thing that we find is a flaw that really had an impact upon Samson's life was retribution. And I want to tell you today again that retribution will really weaken your life. When you look at the life of Samson here in the Old Testament and what unfolded, you see really quickly that Samson lived in a constant state of anger. Maybe you know people like this, a constant state of road rage mentality. He was always upset about something. He was completely ill-tempered. He was always reacting violently to other people. He really had quite a temper and very hostile with other people. His primary motivation in life was to get even was to get revenge. We find this, for example, in Judges 15 and verse 3. It said, he said, I merely did to them what they did to me. There was no platinum rule. There was no uh, golden rule in operation here. They hurt me. Have you ever used that excuse or maybe seen that excuse? Sometimes you see it on the playground or maybe like I saw it yesterday. 
The college football season is back up on us, and I was watching one of the first games of the season, and, and a couple guys were going at it, and uh, they threw a flag, a penalty, and the commentator said, well, they always get the second guy getting revenge. We see it all the time. But you know what? When you use that excuse, you're just weakening your life if you're just trying to get back to people. I'm going to do what they did to me. When you think about it, resentment or getting even is such a waste of time. Oftentimes, the people you're trying to get even with are over in the corner, and they're totally oblivious to your feelings about the subject. And it's not bothering them one bit. And resentment, it always hurts you more than it does the other person. They've forgotten it. Self-indulgence will weaken your life, but revenge impairs your life. And it causes you not to see clearly. So what's the lesson here that we can take out of the life of Samson? It is this, and that is strong people restrain their reaction. Not only the first lesson, do people who are remaining strong and finding courage and vitality to go on to the Lord, they discipline their desires, but they also restrain their reaction. They choose where and how they're going to act rather than just out of haste reacting critically to other people. The book of Proverbs says that a hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. And it also says it is better to be slow-tempered than to be famous and to have self-control than to control an army. You know, I hate to get historical on you, but I do remember uh, the story there, the greatest commander. They said one of the greatest commanders and generals of all time was the guy known as Alexander the Great. By his mid-30s, he had conquered the known world. I mean, that's an incredible feat. And uh, everybody was kowtowing and bowing to this guy, known as the world's greatest military leader. But he had one major flaw in his life. Like I said, when you find people sometimes with great uh, qualities, there's also a weakness. And his flaw was he had a bad temper. He had a hair-trigger temper. And one day, he reached out in a fit of rage and struck and killed his leading general, who also happened to be his very closest and best friend. And he famously said, uh, he killed him by accident, but he says, I conquered the whole world, but I can't conquer my soul. We see this in the life of Samson here as he was reacting with rage rather than discipline. We need to restrain our reaction. But well, let me give you one other observation we could take away as we think about Samson here. Carelessness will weaken your life. Being careless will weaken your life. When you look at Samson here, he was a very careless person. His strength was a gift from God, but he continually abused it. He continually misused it, and he was haphazard about his life. He was reckless about his behavior, and the power came because of a commitment, as I said, to be uh, set aside for God. As a young boy, he was a miracle baby in the first place. We know as he's introduced and brought on the scene, it said that an angel of the Lord came and appeared to his parents and said, you are childless, you're sterile, but you're going to have a son. And no razor, it said, in chapter 13, verse 3, will be used on his head because he's to be set apart to God even from birth. And Samson went on to take this vow called a Nazarite vow, which included, among other things, that he was not going to have alcohol in his life. He was going to stick to a special kind of diet. And his vow involved never cutting 
his hair. Never cutting his hair reminded him that he was different, that he was set apart, that he was supposed to be in his life entirely dedicated to God. And it was to stay uh, that my life is to be lived completely to God. And as a result, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to consume alcohol. I'm going to stick to this diet. I'm going to follow God faithfully. I'm going to give my life totally to the Lord. And so the strength of Samson was really not in his hair. The strength of Samson was in his commitment. And the hair just represented it. And the problem was that in Samson's life, he totally forgot his vow. He totally allowed his vow to go to the wayside. Samson's biggest mistake was he refused to take God seriously. And I'm going to tell you, in our day, that's a major problem that's impacting the church, is it not? There was something to come out just recently talking about church attendance even. That church attendance continues to be one of those things where it's just maybe once in a while, once a month, once every couple months. There's an old saying that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. What is a strong person to do if they're really going to serve the Lord? It's cleave to their commitments. Remain faithful unto the Lord. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link, or in other words, your life is only as strong as your weakest commitment. And if you have no commitment, you really have no strength. I wonder today what you are committed to. That's where your strength comes from. Are you committed to the things of this world, or are you committed to God? Are you committed to your faith and to your church? Are you committed to family? What are you committed to? I was watching uh, the Biography Channel or History Channel or one of these shows on TV one night, and uh, they were talking about different people. And don't you love the stories of how people got started in life? You find people that thought they were going in one direction and all of a sudden ended up going in another. And they were talking about this famous singer, Lucian Pavarotti. And at a young age, his father introduced him, it said, to music, and he absolutely embraced it with great enthusiasm. He just loved singing. But at one point in his life, he was enrolled in both vocal lessons from a professional tenor and college studies to be a teacher. And he really enjoyed them both. And when he graduated from school, he faced this dilemma of whether to become a singer, a professional singer, or whether to become a teacher. And he stewed and really pondered over what he should do because he loved both of these professions. And he sought the advice of his father. And his dad said, well, if you try to sit on two chairs, you'll fall right between them. For life, he said, you've got to choose one chair. I want to ask you today, as you think about your life, what you really are committed to. It's never been more important than our day. I think this pandemic in some ways has almost been like a flood that has swept over our world. And you know, it's caused a lot of people to step back and it's causing us, I think, to realize what's really important. I wanna ask you today what you're really committed to. Are you committed to the Lord today? Are you set aside in your life, completely dedicated to serving God, disciplining your desires, restraining your reactions and cleaving to your commitments, I invite you to do that today. Shall we pray together? Oh, Holy God, how we need you. 
Lord, especially in our day, there are so many challenges we face. So many things, Lord, threaten to lead us astray. We know human nature is just as it is today as it was years ago, even in the days of Samson. But Lord, how we need your spirit to be upon our hearts and minds, to embolden us and strengthen us, to keep us strong in you and dedicated, cleaving to our commitments and surrender to your will, policing our desires and restraining our ill reactions. Oh Lord, may your spirit fall upon hearts today. Convict us, give us strength and wisdom. Give us most of all yourself, your spirit to lead and guide us in all things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.